0: All right, here we go. A quick turnaround to Seattle. And Thursday night football arrives early on the schedule. DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long. That'll be Wednesday night and uh, packing our
1: bags and hitting the road as we speak. Time to go. Yeah, thank God. Uh, you know, there's, there's nothing worse in sports than losing in football because it takes – Sunday to Sunday to get back on the field to to right those wrongs. So it's a good thing. I mean, uh, not such a good day in the Coliseum. Um, Tampa Bay played great football, put 55 points on you. Uh, I'm still shocked. You scored 40 points in the game and still lost by 15. You don't see that often, but you get right back on the horse for a Thursday night football game. It, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough on them too. It's a short turnaround, but. I think it might be the best thing for this football team right now. When we left the
0: Coliseum on Sunday evening, you and Maurice Jones-Drew were exchanging some, some thoughts about whether or not just to burn that tape, like whether or not to sink into it at all or just get right on to the Seattle Seahawks and making sure that your mind is on Thursday night. Having spent part of Monday at the facility with the Rams organization, what's your take on that currently?
1: You know, it it, it all depends. I mean, sometimes when it's just so bad and there's nothing you can teach on the video, it's only going to make things worse if you show guys playing at their worst. You know, just let it go. We'll we'll, we'll take care of it on the field and practice and get this stuff going. But there's some good stuff on that tape. When you go back and watch it again, especially offensively, you're down 21 and no one likes to throw the football 68 times, but there's some good plays being made in that game. You know, we've heard earlier, you know, in the week, there was a lot of pressure coming at Jared Goff. And to only give up two sacks in that game, is pretty damn good. So there's a lot of good things that you might want to see, but on a short week, I don't think you want to sit there with the entire team and watch the entire tape. You don't have that much time. So take it in snips uh, snips or little bits of it and, what do you call that, little cutout plays, and then practice and get better on the things you need to work on.
0: But don't you think that that loss was the culmination of a lot of things that had been nagging at the Rams throughout the first quarter of 2019 that maybe they didn't pay the price for in the moment? whether it's in Carolina or in that angle stand in Cleveland, that they came away with a victory, and maybe that masked some of the deficiencies that finally came all the way to the surface at the Coliseum.
1: I agree, man. I mean, we we watched the same tape. You know, Cam Jordan, uh, he roams. He'll pick on you know the right tackle, the left tackle, the left guard. He roams. Miles Garrett started to roam a little bit more against the Rams. Shaq Barrett doesn't usually move. And where did he line up sometimes? I mean, that's, to me, that's
0: as surprising as anything I've witnessed through four games is that it's the right side, which was the veteran returning side that you felt pretty steady about. And I know that Blythe missed some time due to injury and maybe isn't 100% yet. But of all the scenarios that played out in my head preseason – them getting beat and leaky through that right side was not necessarily at the top of that. List.
1: No, I mean, I mean, Rob Havenstein is having a, you know tough September. The pre-snap stuff, I mean, that's that's something above the neck. Maybe it's because you've got a new center, and that actually makes sense. Something you're used to, the calls you you're used to getting, you're not getting anymore. When you think you're going to slide this way, you're being told to slide the other way, and there's a mistake there. But uh, some of this stuff is just straight up one-on-one, and he's getting beat. But it hasn't made me lose confidence in him. I, I still think he's a guy that can right the ship uh, because I'm not used to seeing him get beat like this. You know what I mean? If mm-hmm. this was a common occurrence, uh, I, I might be worried because it's, it seems like it's increasing. But I think at some point, maybe through October, as the line gets better, he gets better. Yeah, there's there's two spins on it. I mean...
0: You can trust their track records and the fact that they haven't achieved to those levels, especially the ones that they put forth in 2018, might give you reason for optimism that, that it is going to progress. And yeah. that you trust the leadership of Sean McVay and the player development of Aaron Cromer and that they will get right. But across the board to at best hold steady and in most cases regress at five offensive line positions and the toll that it's taking on your competitors. Complete lack of a running game, and your franchise quarterback has to be concerning when you combine it with the pre snap penalties that we witnessed in week four. Now you have to go do it on the road in Seattle under the primetime lights. That could be a formula for disaster. I think what worked in the Rams' favor, however, is that they get to refocus on division games, familiar opponents, and in some cases, even a comfort zone in Seattle. You witnessed this franchise play really well against the Seattle Seahawks, even when the Rams were not at their peak, which they are now can you lock in, can you refocus on the first goal of every season, which is to be better than the three teams in your division?
1: Well, I know it helps us, you know, doing our job that we've got Seattle on a short week. We kind of know them. We know their MO. We know their players. We know how they like to attack. In our mind's eye, we can see the last five games, last five matchups, probably tell you what happened in in certain situations. So that's going to help players and coaches as well. So It's going to be something good for this football team to get back on the field Thursday, and it's going to be even better to play Seattle because you have no choice but to kick this game out and get ready for this football team here. And I'll say this, man, when you're facing first and 20 versus Tampa at home, good chance you're probably not going to win that game. I mean, we talked about that on last week's show, how faster starts in a
0: game, yes, but faster starts within a sequence of downs. Put yourself in third and three to third and five, and you probably don't get strip-sacked by Miles Garrett on third and ten. It's happening
1: again, and now it's against Shaq Barrett and the Buccaneers. In fact, it got worse. No doubt, but first and 20 here is one thing. First and 20 up there yeah. is dangerous, you know what I mean, especially with the guys they have, with Clowney off the edge, with um, Ansa, who who's come on, who had a pretty good game last week. So they've got some guys that can really take your head off. So you have to be letter perfect. You had to be letter perfect against Tampa, and you weren't. But this week, it's doubly important that you – cut out those pre snap penalties.
0: He's DeMarco Farr. I'm JB Long. On this week five edition of Rams All Access, we will hear from Sean McVay and Jared Goff about their struggles offensively and those slow starts. What can they do to get right against a Seattle defense that you just alluded to, DeMarco, has not had any problem replacing what was the Legion of Boom. I mean, it's very effective. You take out that New Orleans game in which they had a couple of non-offensive touchdowns, their defense has done its part to take this team to 3-1 a game back at the San Francisco 49ers.
1: I think that front seven is as good as anybody, and they're missing their best player. They're still missing Reed, who's out uh, due to suspension. So Puna is his first name. Puna Ford. Puna Ford is a tough player, but those defensive ends plus Bobby Wagner and just the way they're coached, they're always going to be tough. They're always going to be a tough out. They're always going to be great on redirection. They're always going to be a, a great on screens because – that's what they rep. That's been their M.O. That's been Pete Carroll's M.O. So uh, it's always tough to move the ball against them, period. It's twice as hard against Seattle because they know you very well. Touch
0: on a bit of injury news as we get set to depart for Seattle. Good news on Taylor Rapp, whether or not he's able to go on Thursday night. They're playing the long game with an injury that he left the field with without being able to put any weight on, left in a boot. And I'm thinking, is that the end of his rookie season? Turns out it won't be. And that's fantastic news, even if he can't play in his hometown.
1: No doubt. I mean, the first thing I asked was uh, rolled ankle. Was it the good roll or the bad roll? Good roll is when you roll it to the inside, right? That's classic sprained ankle. When it's the other way, that's issue. That's high ankle sprain. Your season could be over, even if you're back out there. So this is the good sprain. Hopefully you get him back sooner than later, but... On a Thursday, a Mm -hmm. short turnaround, I think that might be asking a lot. How about Marcus Peters and the blow that he took on the goal line –
0: on the pick six, to think that he cleared the concussion evaluation right there at the Coliseum and only came away with a a laceration on his face, I guess. Fantastic news for his
1: availability for this weekend against a great passing attack for Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. As tough as a coffin nail, man, I mean, to get up from a hit like that. You know, I mean, I hope the guy gets fined. I don't know what he could have done different. He's just closing on the football. Maybe Marcus Peters could protect himself a little bit better on the goal line, but that was a wicked shot, and I'm still surprised that he got up. That's 335 pounds on a dead run. That's... Wow, what a big hit. As always on Rams All Access,
0: we will go inside opponent's territory for four-down territory a little bit later on in the show to get the perspective from the Pacific Northwest. But coming up next, we'll hear from the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams and his quarterback, Jared Goff, who has underachieved through the first four games of 2019. A few details on why that might be. As we continue with DeMarco Farr, I'm JB Long, and you're listening to Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710.
2: It's really happened when I'm throwing so it is something that i'm conscious of but i have to throw so you know it's really happened when i'm bringing the ball back and it's just been coincidence but you know i've i've, I've prided myself in ball security and, and taking care of the football and and not turn the ball over uh you know throughout my career and that's something that i need to do a better job of for sure and It'll start some practice, just being better in practice every day and, and moving that into the game.
0: Rams quarterback Jared Goff coming off a career-high performance in terms of completions, attempts, and yards. None of that, DeMarco, by design, though. They got themselves into some uh, time and score situations, which completely drew them out of what you would hope would have been their game plan slanted it totally in the passing game's favor, and to their detriment. I mean, Jared, who has thrived off the play-action, balanced attack of
1: Sean McVay for two years now, has seen very few of those circumstances through four games. Well, you've got to give the ball to Todd Gurley. You've got to establish the run game to get the play action going. But, I mean, those are Mike Leach numbers. That's Texas Tech old-school offense when you're throwing the ball every other Jared play. Jared even said it was like yeah. playing at Cal again. It's, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's way too many. And, you know, he's just got to be more accurate. You, you've got to bring the ball in. You missed Todd Gurley on that nice little route he ran. I mean, that's a touchdown. You missed Gerald Everett. Another touchdown pass. I mean, there were some across the middle that were you know, behind guys that were a little off target that would have kept you on schedule. So you can't blame it all on pressure. Jared just has to be better. But you've got to get Todd Gurley going in the run game. I mean, that's just a must. You you can't go through an entire quarter without giving him the football, without giving him a rush attempt. It crystallized for me
0: overnight. It translates to this in my mind. You tell me whether or not it's true. You have to be willing to go three and out. If the defense is showing you you can't run into this, you shouldn't run into this, at some point it takes a stubbornness to run into it, and if the consequences are you punt and play field position, other than Sunday against the Buccaneers, your defense has shown you they're up
1: to that challenge. Right. I I agree with you. I'm with you on the 3-and-out. You have to be willing to do that. Give your guys a chance, man. You know, Give your offensive line a chance to block these guys up. Give Todd Gurley a chance to run through a loaded box. He may get through there. If you do... You start to get the defense to collapse, everything opens up. But I guess if you're already to a counter before you've actually led with something, I mean, you rack up 68 pass attempts. And I
0: think you touched on this earlier, too. Too much shotgun, right? I mean, whether it's intentional by design or not, they're just in known passing situations, both in terms of down and distance and game score, where Jared has been at his best paradoxically under center. Because of that system he came from, the questions early on were, can he translate it into an NFL play? Can he play with, you know, his back to the line of scrimmage, his back to a defense? Not only can he, he's thrived. Mm-hmm. I mean he continues to be better off of play action. He's just not getting those types
1: of opportunities when Todd Gurley's in his shotgun seat instead of behind him seven yards deep. I agree. That same game plan, I think, especially versus Seattle, who runs a similar if you will, similar scheme to what Tampa does, you're going to see those same double A-gap runs where you bring the safety down and he tries to run the A-gap. Just putting pressure on Jared Goff. Uh, To get through that, you're going to have to block it up or give them something else to think about running the football through it. They did it to the Rams on the opposite side. uh, The Rams had stacked the box. They brought guys and they ran through it. They did a pretty good job of keeping them off balance. So you have to give the defense something else to think about other than going after Jared Goff. You'll see that film when you watch the end zone copy. See if you can find the nose tackle on the field. They got two three techniques. There's no run threat. Mm-hmm. It's all pass rush. And Dominic it, and Sue and Vita Vea yes, threes. Yes, it's wide open. Vita Vea is doing spin moves. When have you seen that big guy throw two spin moves in one game? It's just all pass. They're not worried about the run right now. Here's a, uh, a trend that we've observed, but I don't think it's
0: put, uh, been put down as concretely as the Ringer did this week, and that's ball security for Jared Goff. Not just making the wrong decisions and, and throwing interceptions, but literally putting it on the turf. This weekend was his 14th fumble in his last 13 games, including the playoffs. That dates back to the uh, Week 11 Monday Night Football Contest against the Chiefs. Goff has fumbled in every single game since then except for the Super Bowl in that stretch. Wow. Wow. And you remember the the knock on him in terms of draft evaluation were the measurables of his hand, right? Having smaller hands. Jared talked about it this week, saying it's mostly in his act of throwing motion, that he's getting legitimately strip-sacked, that the pass rush is candidly getting their hand on the football, not just him. How do you see that, and how concerned are you moving forward, especially as we get into maybe a cold and wet weather environment in the Pacific Northwest?
1: You know, some guys, uh, the best quarterbacks, some of the Hall of Famers that I played against, uh, they had this sneaky little way of changing up the throwing motion in traffic they get they get tight they they bring the ball in and they can get the ball out on time with velocity so you know jared has a you know pretty long release you know he can pretty much make every throw on the field he's and got it's a, it's a
0: long beautiful
1: release it's, when he yeah, has
0: time to launch when he's got time
1: yes. but sometimes when he you know takes that left hand off that ball is exposed and you can tell these guys are going after it if you get your hand on his wrist or on his throwing hand that ball could come out so I'm not sure if that's something you can correct but the best the guys I've seen they just kind of get tight with it or find a way to, you know, noogie through the line of scrimmage and then open up to throw. But, you know, in traffic with that throwing motion, if you touch it, it's coming out.
0: He's DeMarco Far. I'm JB Long. A week five edition of Rams All Access, which is brought to you by ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Rams. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Rams. Filling in for Sean McVay on the Coaches Show this week, our guest was Les Sneed. And having just agreed to a contract extension with Jared Goff, we asked him to evaluate the performance of his QB1
1: through four games. If we take a step back, right, we could probably name what we consider the pillar quarterbacks of the league, Right. First name that came to mind, Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. He's been paid well for a lot of years. New Orleans Saints have been pretty competitive for a lot of years, so I think that would be that would be the debunk of the theory, right? Or Pittsburgh Steelers when they have Big Ben, predominantly Green Bay when they've had you know Aaron Rodgers, Colts when they've had Peyton Manning. Those teams were competitive. They did uh, win championships. You're probably not winning one every year. So that can't be the measuring stick of of what success and competitiveness is. You
0: know, the implications of Les's comment there are poignant to me because you go through the list of names he rattled off. Those are all franchise guys and in many cases Hall of Fame quarterbacks. So by giving Jared that kind of contract, by taking him number one overall, those are his expectations now. He's not going to be measured by 12 and 13 win seasons, not going to be measured by division championships, I don't think, anymore. Rings and MVPs, I think, are the category that his contract will put him in moving forward.
1: I think you're off and running. Uh, I I think he kind of gained that trust, at least from my perspective, last season and the season before. He can run this offense. He can pretty much run every play that you need to be mm-hmm. successful in this offense. If you have a running game, if you have a Todd Gurley that's kind of being the tip of the spear, that Jared Goff can function off the, the play-action pass... He can be dynamic, Uh, but at some point, like you said, you're going to get into matchups like you saw in the Coliseum, and you're still going to be expected to lift the football team. So it can't be a perfect world for you to be successful. Sometimes it's going to be a little haywire, and you still have to keep the team in contention. Still to come on this edition of Rams All Access, we'll go inside opponents' territory.
0: Do the Natives in Seattle feel like they're the team to beat with a three-horse race in the NSC West. But still to come, on the other side, DeMarco Farr will break down the defense. What happened to the group that we saw for the first three weeks? We'll try and answer some of those questions as we continue on Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710. Winston has it. Four-man rush. He launches. Left side. It's intercepted. Marcus Peters at the 30. Back down the right sideline to the 20. Gets a block. Peters. A pick six. Destroyed at the goal line. Peters takes it back. I don't know about you, DeMarco, but that was the moment that I thought the Rams might really be coming all the way back from down 21 to prevail in week four and stay unbeaten. That's not how it played out, but when Marcus
1: Peters took that shot at the goal line, it felt like they might. Yeah, rabbit out of the hat. I mean, you need a play, somebody on offense, somebody on defense, and you know Marcus Peters makes a a great play on the football, and then a great return all the way up until the one-yard line until he got absolutely creamed, but it was the play you needed on defense, but I mean... Like, you have to give Jameis Winston a whole lot of credit. I remember the last show we talked about it. Um, wasn't so high on Jameis, but I mean, my goodness, I have never seen him play so consistent. I've never seen him, you know, be just so perfect in his decision making. Didn't miss an open guy. Um, there's nothing you can fault defensively for the Rams. They were exactly where they were supposed to be. It's just. Whatever you were giving Jameis Winston, he was perfect on that pass. Really? So you give up 55 and you're saying nothing you can fault from the defense? It's secondary. I mean, just the coverage-wise. Yeah. I mean, when you watch how they were covering and the the systems they were trying to, to use against them, there's going to be certain spots to where you have to leave open. And that's exactly where they went with the football. Uh, great game plan, great execution. Uh, against the run, I mean, the, the only thing I can say that was negative was too many missed tackles. But for the most part... Everyone was where they were supposed to be on rundowns and passing downs. It's just they were better than you on game day. You're, I mean, the book on Jameis very much was play zone
0: against him, see if he can make the proper decisions throughout. And for the most part, he did that, aside from the highlight we heard with Marcus Peters taking it back for six. I, I will say this, in defense of the defense, before we get into some of the things that they need to shore up on a short week, how about some of these uh, drive starts? I mean, the 40-yard line, midfield, the plus nine. They turned all four Jared Goff turnovers into touchdowns, one without the defense even seeing the field as and uh completed his revenge tour at the Coliseum. But this will be a tough week because Russell Wilson is playing at an MVP level, and you get into the division, which I think has become the most offensively diverse in the entire National Football League. You have to do a downhill running Seattle. You have to deal with uh, one of the best tight ends and a fullback combination with San Francisco the following week, and eventually you're going to probably see Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury down the road. So this is a very tough turn for a defense that's licking its wounds, literally and figuratively, for the first time.
1: You got a fifty burger put on you, you know, in your in your own house. That's going to smart a little bit, but it wasn't a physical pounding. Like if Seattle put 55 on you, I, I bet you wouldn't have a, a single guy left. And because terms of the fashion that they delivered yeah, the blows? it'll yeah. just be brutal if Seattle did that to you. This was a little bit different. So at least you're not, with the exception of Taylor Rapp and, and Marcus Peters, you're not limping into Seattle. You still have guys, your your main horses are, are going to be up there for you in Seattle trying to stop this physical running game, uh, trying to chase down Russell Wilson. And they know the guy. And you want some get back. So like you said, maybe this loss could be the best thing for this defense. It's embarrassing, man. You know, like we said, your offense scored 40 points and you lost. I mean, this is the the week where you want to hide your face if you're on defense, and the last thing you want to do is wait until Sunday to play. You want to get back on the field ASAP. So uh, a short turnaround could be the best thing for that unit, definitely. Going back to a city
0: where DeMarco Farr won a college football national championship, and unfortunately it seems unlikely that a fellow Husky, Taylor Rapp, is going to be able to go in his hometown. Uh, But if there is a position where the Rams are equipped to cover for an injury, short-term, safety seems to be the one. Marquis Christian went right back in there against the Buccaneers and will likely do the same against the Seahawks.
1: You know, from an information standpoint, knowing the scheme, complete confidence in Marquis Christian. Now, Taylor Rapp is special. I think we know this, Uh, especially the way he tackles and the way he closes to the football. So you're going to lose a little bit without him in there. But you don't have to change anything if you're Wade Phillips with Marquis Christian on the field. If you're replacing a veteran with a rookie, well, we can't call this. We can't do this. He doesn't know how to do that yet. You don't have that problem with Marquis Christian. You've got the full playbook, if you will. But Like you said, the game started bad. Uh, Zerline kicks one out of bounds on the first kickoff, and you give them field position. You can't let the defense on the field having to defend short field. So if you give them and make Seattle go the long route every single series, I think this defense will be measurably better, no doubt. What about on the interior? And we mentioned it's a
0: downhill running attack, and so your middle linebackers are going to be important. And Corey Littleton, another Husky coming home to Seattle. But you're basically down to your third option yeah. next to him at inside linebacker and an undrafted college free agent in Troy Reader, if Bryce Hager can't go.
1: Get ready to move that line a whole lot. It's not rocket science, and it's not you know, giving you some inside information. But you know, when you're light at linebacker or you're down to your third option, at middle linebacker, your, your only recourse is to move the line up front. You're going to have to slant guys and try to tie up their blocking schemes to keep guys free. You can't play it straight. If they get their starting guard on your third string middle linebacker, I would bet they win. So you're going to have to be a little creative in the run game to slow them down. Where was Aaron
0: Donald on Sunday? I know we've unfortunately had to answer this question far too many times It's readily apparent in in playing the run a little bit. He did have his hands on the quarterback, Jameis Winston, once, as I recall.
1: But it felt like his quietest game of the four to date. He almost slapped his heart out. I mean, he got in there so quick and he hit Jameis. Sebastian got that sack. Got the sack. Yeah, I mean, he was in there. But they're finding creative ways to double him now. Usually it's guard tackle or guard center. Now they're using the running back. You know, the running back's sole job is to step up into the B-gap to make sure he doesn't hit it. So he's seeing a ton of attention To me, that's the thing that I would criticize about the defense was there wasn't enough heat on Jameis. But that's a tough ask, man. That's a real tough ask. When going into that game, we talked about how they'd been arriving at the quarterback with only four pass rushers better than any team in the league. Right. Um, But, like you said, short fields, it gives Tampa the advantage, and it kind of hamstrings you. So, especially as a player, when you're on a short field, when the run is viable, you just can't pin your ears back and go. Right. You have to stay tight on guys. You give them a little extra edge against you. Uh, think about what Indomitian Sue and Vita Vea were going against. It's all pass. Who cares about the run? Aaron's got to play run plus pass. Okay, it's pass. Now i got to get to a move and fight through the double team and then try to get there. So it's just a tough road for him right now. He
0: is great against the Seahawks and Russell yeah. Wilson, though, one of his favorite targets. We'll see what he does under the Thursday Night Lights primetime Thursday Night Football in Seattle, the first NFC West test for the Los Angeles Rams. We'll go into enemy territory next. Four down territory for the latest on the 3-1 and Seahawks. As Rams All Access continues on ESPN LA 710.
1: They've obviously done an, a, an outstanding job really over the last few years being able to establish the run and their ability to create, you know, where he can change that launch point off some of those run actions. And then, you know, you look at the drop back game too. I mean, he's he's one of the best for a reason. He can create in the pocket. He can create out of the pocket. He's one of those guys that, you know, makes so many plays. He's a, he's an elite competitor, and, and it's going to be a great challenge for us. And this is a this is a really, really good football team. I mean, we have a whole lot of respect for the Seahawks. They know us, we know them. They've done some great things to be able to, to adjust and adapt some of their systems you know, over the last year, and, and they've gotten better, and we're looking forward to the challenge.
0: That was Sean McVay with his Seattle Seahawks preview. We get more from Brady Henderson, who covers the Hawks for ESPN's NFL Nation, a segment we call Four Down Territory. And Brady, from the outside, it seems like Russell Wilson is playing at an MVP level. How are the locals feeling about their franchise quarterback?
2: Yeah, well, you know, I asked Pete Carroll after that last Arizona game, uh, just what he thinks of Wilson's start. And without hesitation, he said that he thinks this is the best start that Wilson is off to. And if you look at really any of the relevant passing numbers, they would agree with that. Eight to zero touchdown to interception ratio. Uh, he also has career highs through four games and yards per attempt, completion percentage, passer rating. So, um, statistically speaking, this is certainly the, the best start that Wilson is off to. And it's to the point where, um, you know he might miss one throw a game, and, and that's really the only thing that you could nitpick about the way he's playing. So um, certainly uh, an encouraging start for, for Wilson and the Seahawks' offense.
0: As for the running back picture, Chris Carson and C.J. Procise sharing the load to this point, but Rashard Penny expected to return Thursday after missing the last couple with a hamstring injury. What's the state of the running game right now in Seattle?
2: Well, I think they had a, a pretty good bounce-back game uh, last week in Arizona, and it was sort of been up and down. Uh, over those first three games, part of that was, um, you know, some of the situations that they were in, they, you know, in that, uh, New Orleans game in week three, I think it was, um, you know, I think Wilson ended up with a career high of 50 attempts. So they've sort of had to come away from it just based on the way that the games have played out. Uh, but that was a pretty strong bounce back performance, you know, from Chris Carson, especially, uh, and he needed that because, you know, he had lost a fumble in each of the Seahawks first three games. And, you know, Pete Carroll, if there's one thing we know about him, you know, historically, he has not had a lot of tolerance for running backs putting the ball on the ground. But he spoke, you know, in different terms uh, about Carson than he has, in, you know, about previous running backs who have had trouble hanging on to the ball. He was nothing but supportive of Carson last week, um, and really, you saw Carson start that game and, and, and get a normal workload for him, uh, and he ended up with, you know, well over 100 yards, really a lot of tough yards. And then, you know, the way Carol's point was that it wasn't just the, the total numbers that he finished with. It was the way that he got those yards, and Carroll really, um, really covets a very physical running game, a physical running back, Uh, and the Seahawks had both of those things Sunday in Arizona.
0: Brady Henderson is our guest. He covers the Seahawks for ESPN's NFL Nation, and this is four-down territory. Hey, what impact has Davian Clowney made so far in Seattle?
2: Well, uh, he definitely made the biggest play of of his early, you know, his brief Seahawks career uh, against the Cardinals when he, you know, came down with a... A one-handed interception of a screen pass really made a nice play to read it. Um, and then, you know, ran, I think 27 yards to the end zone. So, um, you know, for anybody who has not watched a ton of Judevian Clowney and and was wondering why he went number one overall in 2014, that, that's a pretty good, you know, um, illustration of why just a, a marvelous athletic play by him. And, um, you know, he had sort of had a couple quiet games. He had a sack in his first game, um, had sort of a couple quiet games. So that was the the biggest impact play that he's made so far.
0: Well, the linebacking core behind him certainly looks elite when you consider the non offensive touchdowns allowed against the Saints. This Seattle defense has held every opposing offense under thirty so far. Are you impressed with how quickly this front office and coaching staff have been able to retool from the Legion of Boom?
2: Yeah, and, and this is really uh, you know it, when, whenever we hear the Legion of Boom and we think of, of those you know great Seahawks defenses you know during their Super Bowl years and, and right around that time. You do think of the secondary first, um, which you know I think some of those guys, you know the linebackers Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright may have gotten a little overlooked just because they weren't the you know loud personalities like those guys in the secondary. But those guys have always been uh, very good linebackers, and now that they've added Michael Kendricks. To that group that's that you know might be the best trio of starting linebackers in the NFL, and really they are leaning on those guys more than ever before. Um, and and the, the best example of that is the fact that they are running a lot more base defense than they tend to. And and you know in a three four defense like they run, or excuse me, a four three defense like they run. Um, you know, when they're in base, that means all three linebackers are on the field. They're keeping those guys on the field, even in situations, you know, where the offense has three plus receivers on the field. So situations that a team would a defense would normally sub in an extra defensive back, they're keeping all three of those guys on the field just because that is the strength of their defense and, and they are really playing to that strength.
0: Lastly, Brady, this looks like a three horse race for the NFC West with the Seahawks, Rams, and 49ers. Is there any doubt in Seattle? That the Seahawks are the team to beat in the West.
2: Well, I, I think it's it, that's going to be a lot more clear, or it, it's going to be at least a little more clear after Thursday night, just because um, you know the Rams. I, I think until proven otherwise, they are still the most talented team in the division. Um, that's that's sort of the way it works, I think, when when a team wins two straight division titles uh, and gets off to a three and one start like they have. So. Uh this is, you know, the Seahawks don't really like to, to think of, of games in terms of big games or big rivalry games or must-win games. They really, um, this is sort of a messaging thing from Pete Carroll. They really, you know, try to treat every game like it's the only game. Um, but you even have heard some of them say, you know, acknowledge the importance of this game being against the the team that, you know, really poses the biggest threat to them uh, and also being at home, knowing that okay, if you don't win this game, then you've got to beat them in in L.A. later in the season. So, um even as much as they, they try to tamp down that, that sort of language about you know big rivalry games, uh, there has been some acknowledgment of the importance of this one Thursday night.
0: He's Brady Henderson covering the Seahawks for ESPN's NFL Nation. Brady, thanks for the time. We'll see you Thursday night. All right. Thanks, fellas. And Rams All Access is brought to you by ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Rams. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Rams. Next, we'll hear from Rams rookie safety Taylor Rapp on his recovery process and facing the team he grew up rooting for on ESPN LA 710.
1: Growing up in Seattle, I mean – and going back to, you know, the Seattle days and when they had that, you know, defense out there with the Legion of Boom, you know, Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman, uh, Brandon Browner, you know, all, all those guys, you know, I, I just love watching them. You know, they they play defense the way um, defense is meant to, play, meant to be played. So, you know, I was definitely a fan of, you know, watching them
0: growing up. That was Rams rookie safety Taylor Rapp on this week's edition of the Rams Revealed Podcast. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Every week we sit down with a member of the Los Angeles Rams. A special week for him because it's a homecoming. He played his college football at Washington, grew up in the area, remains to be seen if he'll be able to go for the Rams. We'll have pregame coverage starting three hours before kick on Thursday night football. We continue to Marco Farr and J.B. Long. And previewing uh, the NFC West, I I had some thoughts about taking advantage of Thursday night football. And I know that Todd Gurley and others, it's not their favorite to-do list item. I get it. But I think you have to consider yourself lucky for a few reasons. One, you got it early in the schedule, right? Week 5 instead of later That's in not the bad. year when you got yeah. some bumps and bruises. It's on the West Coast. Same time zone. It's a road game, but same time zone. It's against an opponent that played on the road last week. The Seahawks were taking a plane back from Arizona as you wrapped up at the Coliseum. And then spin it forward. After Thursday night, you're going to get Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday a head start and recovery on San Francisco as the Niners host the Browns in the final game of Week 5. So there's a lot of advantages to be taken away from playing this Thursday Night Affair, especially if you can get the win. Right,
1: you know, being on the West Coast is huge. Uh, coming back from Arizona, I mean, that's that's a little bit of an advantage. Like you said, you still have to fly up your Seattle, but it's going to be tough on everyone. Uh, I think going into San Francisco, I think that would be huge, especially – like you said, the way you played, and this is guaranteed to be a physical game on Thursday. So having that time off before you have a chance to get into to San Francisco film, uh, I think is going to be huge for them. But you've got to take care of
0: business in Seattle. You look at the 49ers catching a week four bye, which is way too early for any coaching staff to want or enjoy, right? But the Rams almost get a mini bye after this Thursday night. They get one built
1: into their schedule and then can take their normal bye after London right in the middle. Wow. I mean, you uh, week four is your bye week? Mm-hmm. If you're San Fran, I mean that's good lord.
0: And this will be the third opponent when we get to the 49ers that the Rams play coming off of a Monday night game.
1: Yeah, wow. Uh you know, and speaking of San Fran, I mean we always we always felt they were talented. I mean, I think they have one of the best tight ends in the game. I like their fullback and you know, they were a a good Jimmy Garoppolo away from being dangerous and so far, he's played pretty well, and they're a pretty good football team. So this is going to be a tough – you may need 10 days to get ready for them. We've asked rhetorically how many number one draft picks does it
0: take to build a defensive front. I think they've finally found the answer to that <laughs> oh question here in 2019. It yeah. looks the way they've always designed it to be, finally.
1: They're big, strong, I and mean, they're well coached. Uh, I think they've made some changes in their coaching staff, and it's made them nothing but better. Uh, so they're a tough out, and they're tough to have to defend against because – you don't see many offenses like the, like this with a fullback. Uh, so you some stuff you don't use, you haven't used since training camp. You've got to dust off and make sure everybody knows their rules. So 10 days before you play them might actually be right. Uh, have you said it all week, it's the first time
0: the Rams under Sean McVay have not been atop the division, right? So it's mm-hmm. a new feeling. It doesn't feel good. But I actually enjoy where we're at now in terms of having two legitimate division rivals where it feels like this will actually be a fight to the finish with Seattle and San Francisco and your 49ers week will finally have some new juice to it.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, that will never die. I know you're trying to downplay it, and this is the mentality of this, this coaching staff, that it's the next opponent. But San Francisco, L.A., the Rams, it's a big deal. Uh, and it, it seems like it's about to heat up again. So uh, it's, 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 it's a lot of fun to you know, get ready for the 49ers and Seattle in consecutive weeks. But, you know, number one, take care of Seattle. Absolutely. More on the Seahawks in just a moment. A reminder that Rams All Access is
0: brought to you by ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Rams. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Rams. I have to tell you, I'm impressed with how the roster of the Seahawks looks. Relatively healthy, yes, but for all the change they've had on defense, for the regime change effectively, man, are they impressive. I mean, front to back on their defense, but especially
1: in their front seven. Yes, and loaded. I, and did you say earlier their best player yet to come? Yes, Jaron Reed is still out, uh, and they're pretty good without him. And you know, to be honest, to be quite frankly, they've got it where you're hurting right now. I mean, defensive ends have wreaked havoc, havoc on this football team oh, in terms and, of the
0: challenge they present. Yes, to for the this Rams. football
1: team, absolutely. And you're going up there where you can't hear. So. Uh, you know, you're gonna have to get a whole lot better on this offensive line, period, and you're gonna have to really bring your A game, your A plus game, just to keep guys off Jared Goff. So, uh, you know, they're tough, and I I think they they have a chance to be one of the better defenses in the league. So, uh, let's hope it's not that way on Thursday. One of my
0: memories of Houston coming to the Coliseum a few years back was how impressed Sean McVay was with Clowney and what he did playing both as a pass rusher and a run defender. That stuck with me for whatever reason, and it resurfaced when Houston made the trade and sent uh, you know, a, a problem, really, to Seattle with a great resolution for the Seahawks. You know,
1: it was funny, man. I mean, w- wait until you find out that... All the bad you talked about, Jadavian Clowney, in Houston. Wait until you find out that was a Houston problem and not him. Mm -hmm. Wait until you see the guy that's more disciplined. Same wow plays. Just like Dwayne Brown, the left tackle who they got from the Texans. Same specialness without the negative, and then you've got yourself a dynamite player. So uh, he's been great without being close to reaching his Mm -hmm. potential. I think up there with that coaching staff, that fan base, you'll see the best Clowney you've ever seen.
0: You know what's intriguing to me is the Rams have faced some great tight ends early in their schedule. Will Disley is coming on for the Seahawks. Uh, Having covered his college career, I knew he was a solid player, comes from a great program. I didn't know that he was going to be this integral to the Seahawks' offensive success as he was as recently as last week against Arizona.
1: Tight end is
0: always a problem. They're always open. You know what I mean? Well, no, In a week, where we're yeah. you're assuming you may not
1: have Taylor Rapp, too. Right. I mean, you're going to have to have a plan. I mean, look, you're going to have to guard some of these bigger tight ends with shorter safeties and hope you can do well against them, but anything, any receiver, any tight end, anybody that's receiving passes, you're only as good as the pass rush. If you keep your quarterback off the spot or keep him on the move, the the completion percentage goes, you know, through the ground. So let's hope you get pressure on Russell Wilson. I've been waiting to see DK Metcalf in person since they drafted him. Oh, boy. Yeah. I... Can't wait to see this guy up close. I don't know if clothes.
0: he or Pete Carroll are taking their shirt off on Thursday night, but he's
1: quite a specimen Dude, he's from everything impressive. I've been told. He is absolutely impressive. they have and, been Megatron comparisons. And they know how to use him. I mean, they absolutely use that guy, a big-bodied receiver down the field. All right, Travis and Kirk
0: will have pregame coverage starting tomorrow, three hours before kickoff. Thursday night football, we'll talk to you from Seattle. For DeMarco, I'm JB. This has been Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710.